Well, friends, our scripture lesson today is a short uh, <clears throat> passage from the, um, from the Gospel according to Matthew. Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Well, there was a lot of talk this week. I don't know how many of you watched the Golden Globes last Sunday night. Uh, I watched a little of it, and personally, you can disagree. I didn't think Ricky Jervis was funny. So, you know, by the you know, I thought it was I thought he committed the cardinal sin of comedy, which is not being funny. You know, so before I could be offended at anything that he said, I just thought he wasn't funny. But I was watching some of it. I always like watching. The Golden Globes are great because it spans, you know, television, movies, and I always uh, just pay attention to who wins because I always learn about some series that I can stream that I had never heard of before, and I end up watching it because it does well at the Golden Globes. But as you're watching it and as I'm thinking about this text coming up, one of the things that struck me is, you know, they have those acceptance speeches, and they're usually pretty much the same, right? They get up and they they thank their families, and they thank their co-stars, and they thank the director or the producer, and, you know, everybody who is involved in the project. And then usually they thank, you know, they at least acknowledge the other nominees, all right? And so they'll, they'll say, you know, it's, it's an honor to be nominated with all these other fine people, etc., etc. But one of the things that I don't recall ever hearing is a person getting up there, getting the award, and saying... You should have given it to the other guy. <laughs> I, I, you know, they might sit there and say, I'm humbled. They might say, oh, it's great, it's such an honor. But I can't recall them getting up and saying, you know, you blew it. It shouldn't have been me. I can't believe you thought my movie was better than that movie. <laughs> okay? I just got to tell you, I voted for that movie. <laughs> okay? I've never heard them say that. All right? And yet, sometimes in our lives, we tend to do something like that. And it's kind of like, I think, what John is doing here, right? So in this passage, John has been baptizing people, and Jesus comes to John to be baptized. And John says, look, I need to be baptized by you. And you come to me? This is wrong. I'm not supposed to be the one baptizing you. You're supposed to be baptizing me. Right? He doesn't think that he deserves this honor. He doesn't think that he's good enough to be doing this to Jesus. And I think a lot of us sometimes end up in this place where we're given an opportunity to serve. We're given a call to serve. We feel an urge to serve. We feel like maybe God is nudging us to serve. And then we stop ourselves because we think we're not good enough. We stop ourselves and say, wait a second. I am not good enough to do this. I can't be doing this, all right? But really, are we? I mean, first of all, if you're not good enough to serve, who is? Okay? 
What, what does that say if you're just thinking that I'm not good enough but other people are? I mean, after all, we're all flawed. Every single one of us is flawed, okay? So if you're waiting for the perfect person to step up and serve, that's not going to happen, all right? We all have our flaws. We are all deficient in a sense. And worse, what I think it does is when we start to say, hey, I'm not good enough to serve, go ask somebody else. It reflects an attitude within us which should never be there. And it's the attitude that there's some kind of hierarchy in goodness, that there's some kind of hierarchy in service. And if we begin to think that way, then we start to end up thinking that people who serve are better than the people who are served. Right? And that's a really dangerous thing. One of the things we talk about, we had ordination of officers today, and one of the things that we believe in the Presbyterian Church is that our gifts are different, but the offices are equal. Okay? The gifts are different because the tasks are different, but there is not a hierarchy within them. It does not mean that like pastors are greater than elders or elders are greater than deacons. We don't believe in that. We believe that they are different gift mixes. We believe that people who serve serve differently according to the gifts that they have, but that those gifts don't exist in a hierarchy. All right? Because once we start thinking hierarchically in service, we can begin to believe that the person who serves is somehow better than the person who is being served. And that just isn't the way we're supposed to be looking at it. I mean, imagine what it would be like if you went with us to Jan Hus to serve dinner to the homeless and you went in with the attitude of believing that you, as the person bringing the food, are better than the person receiving the food. It's a terrible attitude to bring. All right? In fact, if you have that attitude, I'm just going to tell you, don't come with us, please. Okay? All right? Because it's an awful attitude. You can't go in with that attitude. All right? We are more fortunate. We're blessed to be in the, in the circumstance of having the privilege of serving. All right? But we can't look at it as if we are better than the person being served, okay? We, we just all are in different phases in our lives. We've all had different breaks. We've all had whatever. And, and, and some of us are in the place to serve, and some of us are in the place to be served, right? And that's going to happen no matter what. I mean, because being served doesn't just mean like being poor or broke or whatever, right? We can be served in all kinds of different ways. You can be in a position where you are in an emotionally tough place and you need emotional support from somebody and you're being served that way and that doesn't mean that you are weaker or more deficient and the other person is stronger or whatever you're just in a different place in your life in that moment all right we can't believe that persons who are less fortunate are suffering from some kind of character defect as opposed to just understanding that people go through different things in life and they end up in a different place so we have to get away from this idea that we have to be qualified or, or better than someone in order 
to serve them. And, and Jesus basically has this argument with John, and we don't know in the passage how long this argument goes on. I mean, I suspect it wasn't just as simple an exchange as they portray it in the gospel, because what Jesus says to John next, he just, you know, let it be so now. Which, by the way, is, is tra- if you were to translate it in the vernacular, if you were going to do, you know, just a modern paraphrase of it, it would be, oh, give it up, John. Give it up. Drop it. Just let it go. Would you let it go, John? Because you suspect that John probably, I, I really have this image in my head that it wasn't this simple for economy of text. They, they shortened the argument, but I really get this image in my head that what really happened is, is John says to Jesus, you shouldn't be bapti- I shouldn't be baptizing you, you should be baptizing me. And Jesus says, no, you don't get it. And John goes, no, you don't get it. You don't get it, Jesus. You don't get it. You're so much better than I am. I can't be baptizing you. You have to be baptizing me. And I have a feeling it went back and forth for a little bit until Jesus finally says, John, drop it. Just give it up. If you're going to acknowledge that I'm in fact better than you, then cave in on this one, all right? And then finally it says that John relented. He consented. And what's interesting within here, you know, when Jesus says, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Sometimes I think we have the wrong impression of what that word righteousness means. All right? Let me tell you what that word righteousness is in the Greek. The Greek word is this word, dikaiosune, and that word that gets translated as righteousness means the practice of fairness, justice, and equitableness. It's not about like this superior obedience to law. The righteous person is fair and just and equitable. Imagine if every time you hear the word righteous, you substitute those words. Every time you hear the word righteous, you substitute in fair and just and equitable. And understand, that's what it means to be righteous. And Jesus is, is dismantling hierarchy in favor of this idea of fairness. John, it is fair that you baptize me. It is not fair that I would not need baptism. It is fair that you would baptize me just as we will go on and baptize others. That is fair, that is just, that is equitable. It is fair that you should serve. It is not fair that I just come and serve you and do for you. Rather, it is fair that you should serve as well. It's fair that people are served and serve. That's what is fair and just and equitable. It's fair that you would be asked to do your share. Not every day in the moment, but as you go through the seasons of life, as you go through the totality of your life, okay, that that you would take your share of being fair, being just, being equitable by taking your turn to serve and to be served as the season of your life demands. And then another way to look at this question about service and, and, and serving it, that happens here because Jesus says to John, 
you need to baptize me. All right, I need to be baptized by you. And when John says no, what is he actually saying? He's saying Jesus is wrong. All right, he's saying Jesus is wrong. Right? If you get asked to serve, either by the by a, a person who senses this in you, or by um, or by a nudge that you think you, maybe you're receiving from God, when you say no. Aren't you basically saying that the person asking is wrong? Aren't you basically saying that the person asking has misread you, misjudged you, overestimated you? Or aren't you sitting there saying, you know, you have confidence in me, but I don't know why? Right? You'd be like that awards person getting up there and saying, I don't understand why you're giving me this award. Their movie was better than mine. They never do that. All right? Because you know what? No one asks you to serve believing you're going to fail. No one comes up to you and says, you know, I think you would be great at this. And you go, nah. They're asking you because they think you'll be good at it. They're asking you because they they think you'll succeed at it. They're not asking you in the belief that you're going to fail. And certainly God is never asking you in the belief that you're going to fail. If you're feeling that nudge coming from God to serve, and God is saying, I think you've got what it takes. I think you can do it. And frankly, my response to that would be kind of, then, then who are you to tell God, you've got me all wrong? God, you've totally overestimated me. God, do you have any idea how lousy I actually am? And God's like, yeah, kind of. I actually do. I actually know all of your faults. I actually know all of your flaws. I actually know all of the things that you've done. And I'm asking anyway. If you're called, you can. And then when you answer the call, that's, that's what God wants. Right? Ahead of the outcome, which I think is the lovely part of the end of this story. The lovely part of the end of this story is when Jesus is baptized and this voice from heaven says, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. And I used to read this passage, and and maybe sometimes I do, because there's there's two ways that I look at at the end of this story. And one is that God is looking at Jesus and saying, in you I am well pleased before Jesus has actually done anything right? Has Jesus done any ministry yet? No. Has Jesus healed anybody yet? No. Has Jesus taught anybody yet? No. Has Jesus gone to the cross yet? No. And God says, you, I am well pleased. But he says it, not at the birth of Jesus, but at the point of his baptism. All right? And why? Because Jesus, in going to be baptized, has accepted his mission. He has accepted his call. It's the start of his ministry. He understands this is the beginning. He has said yes to God. And that phrase, well-pleased, what I actually love is what what it means in the Greek. It means to take delight in. That God delighted in Jesus. God delighted in Jesus because he said yes. 
And I think God delights in those who answer the call to serve. And that can be anywhere, right? We don't, we don't ever claim that the church has an exclusive priority on, on how you can serve God, right? You can serve in so many different ways. You serve in the church. You serve outside the church. You serve you know, people you know. You serve people you don't know. There's a million different ways to serve. But when God is putting it on your heart to serve and you say yes, I think God delights in that answer. Before the outcome, before the result, before you see how it turns out, God delights in the answer because in putting that on your heart, God knew you could. God knows you can. God knows you're ready. God knows you're able. And God delights in those who say yes. Let us pray. Almighty and gracious God, as we embark on a new year and we think about all these things that might lie ahead of us, there are things that you're putting on our hearts. There are things that you're putting on our hearts as ways we can serve you by serving our fellow human beings. And only you know what we are good at. And only you know where is the best place for us to be. But we pray, Lord, that when you start to put that nudge on our heart, that we wouldn't shrink, that we wouldn't say, God, you must, you must be asking the wrong person. God, it can't be me. But rather, we would hear that and say, wow, it's an honor to be asked. It's an honor be called. It's an honor to know that you know that we can. And we pray that we would say yes. Because we know that you delight in those who answer your call. So help us to hear your voice, Lord. Help us to hear your voice that we might say yes when you call. And thus help bring the world to the place where you would have it be. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.